1: A Virginia House candidate is bringing sexy back to the Democrat Party, bringing a whole new meaning to the term pay to play. The former White House press secretary compared babies to broccoli and lumps of coal. And McDonald's is infringing on our God-given right to free refills. It's time to crown my losers of the week. The show starts now. The woke left has a special affinity for sexual deviancy and perversion, and my first loser this week took it a step further. Following in the footsteps of Anthony Weiner and Hunter Biden is this woman, Susanna Gibson. By day, she is a nurse practitioner and candidate for Virginia's highly contested 57th District House seat. But by night, well, she is, or at least was, allegedly, an amateur porn star. This 40-year-old mother of two reportedly streamed sex acts with her husband on a porn site for tips. The Washington Post was the first outlet to report on this story and documented the couple has nearly 6,000 followers on this porn site, which is not password protected. These videos have since made the rounds on the internet and Susanna is not happy. Her lawyer says the dissemination of the videos violates Virginia's revenge porn statute. But I'm not sure how that stands given the couple voluntarily live streamed sex acts on a public porn site for money. But either way, I just hope this situation doesn't start a trend. I don't want to see any Democrat females following suit. I mean, our eyes. They just cannot take it. This snapshot of Nancy Pelosi at the beach is enough to burn our retinas irreparably. But speaking of Democrat ladies, Jen Psaki isn't too bad to look at. She's a pretty lady. It's when she opens her mouth that it all goes south. Here she is comparing human babies to broccoli and coal lumps.
0: Pro-life now becomes, in the words of Indiana Senator Todd Young, pro-baby. Pro-baby. I hate to break it to you, but if you call broccoli candy, it's still just broccoli. If you tie a really nice bow around a lump of coal, it is still coal under there.
1: Yes, Jen Psaki, you nailed it. Being pro-life or pro-baby is akin to tying a bow on crap or putting lipstick on a pig. Folks, when the leftists tell you they are anti-baby or anti-life, just believe them. But moving on to my third loser this week, perhaps not as egregious to some as the porno Virginia Democrat candidate or the mouth diarrhea from Jen Psaki, but for others, this is a real kick in the teeth. McDonald's plans to phase out their self-serve soft drink machines by 2032. That means in less than 10 years, you will not be able to fill and refill your own drinks should you brave going inside a McDonald's dining room. Now to some, this might not seem like a big deal, but I sense a conspiracy. They don't want to entice people to come inside. That's what this is about. And they don't want to entice people to come inside because that means hiring more people to manage the inside. You know, first they took away the ball pits where many of us millennials built up our immune systems. Then they started lying about the ice cream machines being broken. And now this. This hits home, folks. As many of my friends function solely on Diet Coke from the McDonald's self-serve fountains, another iconic American institution ruined. They might as well paint the arches black at this point and get it over with. Those are my losers of the week. But moving on now to the most important topic and the most important election in modern history. So a few weeks back, my next guest wrote an article on what she called a changing identity in America. Now, the article caught my attention, particularly this part. Allow me to read it for you aloud. In the hour and a half drive from my driveway to the rodeo parking lot through three counties that turned out heavily in support of the former president in 2020, there was a marked absence of Trump signs and Trump flags. While that doesn't necessarily mean people along that drive have stopped supporting him, it does mean something has shifted, that their identity is no longer connected to him with the intensity it once was. At the rodeo, which is always kicked off with a prayer, the Pledge of Allegiance, and the national anthem, there wasn't a Make America Great Again red hat in view, nor was there any paraphernalia for Biden or any of the other dozen or so candidates running for president. So what does this mean? Well, I'll tell you what I took it to mean is this. Those of us who are in politics, those of us who live our lives on social media, we are failing to understand what's important to real America. Real America is sick of the circus. They're sick of the investigations and the indictments and the witch hunts. And most of all, they are sick of Joe Biden and they're sick of Donald Trump. We are likely headed for the 2024 rematch between two 80-something-year-olds that nobody really wants. Joining me now is the writer behind that discovery, political reporter Selena Zito. Selena, thank you for being here. I saw your article, I think it was last week, and I thought it was so powerful, so important for people to understand. You know, as I just mentioned there, it feels like those of us that exist in the political world or exist on Twitter, we think that the world revolves around Joe Biden and Donald Trump, but you've discovered through your reporting that that might not be the case in middle America, in the flyover states, in the backbone of this country.
0: Tell me more about that. So I think it's important to step backward for just one second for people to understand how I report. So I don't fly. I don't take interstates, I only take back roads. And I just completed a cross the country trip on the back roads of our country. This helps me understand what is happening in the country, what the mood is and what people are most concerned about. I understood in 2016 without a sliver of a doubt that Donald Trump was going to win in 2016. I came back from my, and it's not because I supported him or didn't support him, but because I listened to people and I understood the, the what was making people going against maybe the norms that they traditionally did. Now, what I'm seeing right now is the opposite. People are exhausted. There's this famous line in this movie, uh, Blazing Saddles, where uh, Madeleine Kahn says, I'm exhausted. Well, there's this collective sense of exhaustion among voters. They they are, first of all, they aren't obsessed in the way we are with Twitter, with, uh, with news all the time. They're worried about inflation. They're worried about crime. These are things that are directly impacting them. They're worried about about getting a handle on their children's education. And, you know, they're worried about the safety of their communities. And 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 I think we don't spend enough time really diving deep into, well, what does that mean? How does the, it, you know, and 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 that's important because I, I feel a sea change going on right now. I was just in Elk County, and Cambria County, uh, Pennsylvania. These are two counties. This is just in the past 24 hours. These are two counties that were Democrat forever in a day. If people don't know this, I live in Western Pennsylvania. I don't live in D.C. or New York. Uh, And these were Democrat counties forever and a day that flipped in 2016 to Republican. And they were very robust Trump support. However people are talking about wanting something different. It's, and, and there's a nuance there that I think we really miss in the press. There's a nuance into which people can say, I liked Donald Trump and or I liked Donald Trump's policies. However, I don't spend my life looking in the rearview mirror i want someone younger and and more importantly people 2020 is arguably collectively the worst year of everyone's life mm-hmm. they're either their jobs changed their family life changed they lost someone that was important to them either through illness and or disagreement over the coronavirus and and p- at the center of that is this presidential election that 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 was very intense and, you know, you know our, our presidential elections are always intense, but this one was completely different. And they do not want to repeat anything of 2020, including seeing Trump and Biden go back at each other. It's just like you're handing them a card and saying, you know what, you need to go back to 2020 because, you right. know, and they don't want it. They don't want it
1: that's a very interesting point that people don't want to be reminded of 2020 i think a lot of republicans have been warning about that i certainly have been but i think that you're right in 2016 there was a change in voters because donald trump was something new something that they weren't used to he was saying the things he was getting things done and i think that he brought a flare to the republican party that it hadn't had in many many years maybe since ronald reagan so people were so excited And then I think they maybe got fatigue of that over several years and they got fatigue of that in 2020 and then they've had fatigue of that for the last three years because they're just really tired of hearing about an old vendetta. I feel like I myself might fall into that camp. Somebody that was very much a Trump supporter, 2016, 2020. But then when he announced his candidacy again to run for 2024, I noticeably wasn't as excited because I felt like, you know what? This has run its course and we need something new. So I think where everybody wanted shock on flair in 2016, I think they want normalcy and maybe just a nerd who gets things done in 2024 and maybe can breathe and walk on his own. That would be a refreshing
0: change. Right. Uh, you're right. So when I talk to, like, like I watch the debate, not at the debate because you're just sitting there with a bunch of other reporters. You're not going to really learn anything new. So I watched it in a bar and um these I watched it with people who have voted for Trump twice. And you know who they liked coming out of that debate? They liked Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley. Wow. So they liked they want someone who can govern Someone who has covered as a conservative or has at least done the best that they can do to govern as a conservative, but also someone who's not who's not afraid to take it from from our cultural curators, right? People like Disney, people um, mm-hmm. like Coca-Cola, like Brian Kemp has done. They want someone who can both govern, as you said, to your point, walk chew gum at the same time, but also isn't afraid to take on uh, the elites. And I think that's where voters are right now. When it comes to polling, voters are telling us They the polls are telling us the vote, Donald. The the voters still like Donald Trump's policies, they're not necessarily telling us they still like Donald Trump. I think that's a really important Mm. nuance to pay attention to.
1: No, it it is, and that's why I want to ask you because I kind of look at uh, at least our GOP polls, and we know Donald Trump is ahead by miles every time. He's indicted every time that there's some hiccup along the way where they go after him. He goes up in the polls. So it seems almost like his lead at this point is insurmountable, or at least that's what we are led to believe on social media. But the polls are also showing that. So how do you account for that, Selena? Because I I agree with you that I feel like real America wants to move on. But in the GOP, it just seems like it's going to be Donald Trump again.
0: Well, right now all we talk about is Trump and Biden in the news and or social media. So they look at this as like, okay, it's a binary choice. However, when you get down into the primary states where things really matter for from February until May, you see a softening of support. Part of the problem Donald Trump has right now is that he, in 2016, he brilliantly talked about people, right? Mm -hmm. And their lives. And he was going to make, you know, the dignity of work. Those were very important touchstones that he hit on. Now, all he talks about is himself. I get it. You've been indicted. It, 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 it comes out like it's a political witch hunt, but people don't vote for a person they vote for an aspiration right. they vote for being part of something bigger than themselves and i think that's where you see the softening away from him uh what, you know he may well be the uh, the uh nominee but i wouldn't i i don't think anybody is inevitable n- including trump and biden
1: right Well, I think that they're going to get rid of Biden in the coming months. Uh, I originally said by Halloween, maybe a little longer, but I think that the Democrats are very happy about the impeachment inquiry. I think that they want more excuses to remove him from the ticket. They've got to figure out the Kamala aspect, which I think is going to take a while, but I really think that they want to run Gavin Newsom or a Michelle Obama, but I think Gavin Newsom is probably more the likely choice. But you know, you know, speaking to that, I've said this over and over again, and I've taken a lot of heat on social media where some people live their lives. I've said, in 2016, exactly what you said. Trump was talking about the American people. He was saying, you are being screwed over. And now, ever since January 6th, 2021, it was, I'm being screwed over. Vote for me because I'm being screwed over. I don't think that resonates with people like for where I'm from in Rapid City, South Dakota, or even as I sit here in Tennessee. I see a lot of people that like Trump because they like the, the mugshot and they like the celebrity. But I'm wondering if the average folks who aren't partaking on social media or not wearing merchandise, I wonder if they're shifting. So my last question for you is, do you think that it's possible that Ron DeSantis could pull a great upset in Iowa as Ted Cruz? did. Do you think that that's the direction we're heading? We got a report a couple weeks ago that the Trump team's ground game in Iowa is severely lacking. He's not showing up. We know DeSantis is spending a lot of time in Iowa. He knows how important it is. What are your sense of what's going to happen with that very important state?
0: I think Iowa's up for grabs. You have to show up in Iowa. You absolutely have to show up. Those voters expect you in not just in their state, they expect you in your living room. And and that and it's the same with New Hampshire and and DeSantis and and Nikki Haley and Tim Scott have been doing a brilliant job of of doing that and and I I just think that. Look, everyone told us Howard Dean was going to be inevitable in 2004, <laughs> and he wasn't. Everyone told us that Hillary Clinton was going to be inevitable in 2008, and she wasn't. Everyone told us Jeb Bush was, was inevitable in 2016. I, I I think the best way you find out is to, to do what I do, is get in those states and basically move in and listen to people. Don't talk to people, listen to people. By the time you get to the third and fourth question, all of a sudden you realize, oh, wait a minute, this person, I thought they were this one thing, but after I talked to them for a while, I come understand they are something completely different. And I think that's what's happening with the polls. Polls are very one-dimensional. It's not a 10 minute, 20 minute, hour long conversation. Mm -hmm. It's one question.
1: Right. Well, it's going to be very interesting. You know, I think that you're right. A lot of people are just dreading 2024. They're not really excited about it. Maybe if we had some new candidates, they would be excited about it. I think we all should be excited, but I get the fatigue. Thank you for all the reporting that you do as somebody that's from a flyover state that people generally don't pay a lot of attention to. It really means a lot to me that you're going out and you're talking to average Americans and you're doing a lot of the work that a lot of the other folks in media are not doing. It's so important. And keep churning out those articles because I I love reading them. Thank you so much for being with me.
0: Uh, Thank you. I was just in your home state. Beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. I love it. Well, I
1: appreciate you. And I want to talk to you as we get closer to Iowa, because I have a feeling you're going to have a really good sense of the pulse of that state. Sounds great. All right. Well, coming up next, a lesbian wife takes a TikTok to brag about her husband being accepting of her newfound gayness. And yeah, I have some final thoughts. Folks, TikTok serves us the dumbest filth the interwebs have to offer, and at this point, I think people just make up mental conditions or identity delusions to go viral, like this woman who is patting her soon-to-be ex-husband on the back for being supportive of her newfound gayness. Watch.
0: Early this year, I came out as gay to my husband, uh, soon-to-be ex, and he had the sweetest and most amazing reaction, and this is what he said. What did you say? I said that I was so proud of you, and that was the bravest thing I've seen that anyone do. And now we are going our own separate ways, and we're about to put this house on the market, and that's all she wrote. Be like my ex-husband, be that good of a person.
1: So, I don't know that woman or that man, but by the looks of him, the hostage look in his eyes and the sounds of her, I would venture to guess he's not necessarily stoked about his wife being a lesbian, but just rather happy he can leave her and have a socially acceptable excuse beyond just her baseline annoyingness. But why on God's green earth would this woman post something like that as if she's celebrating or gloating about it? Furthermore, I hope she doesn't get a dime in the divorce because she misled him. He should honestly cite fraud and take possession of whatever she has of value, which doesn't appear to be much outside of maybe that sterling silver on her nose ring. But anyway, not the point. The point is, we have entered into a weird space in 2023 I really can't even keep up anymore. Now, a new survey from Change Research shows that a whopping 55% of millennial and Gen Z women find it a turn-off if their partner listens to the Joe Rogan experience. And over three-quarters, 76% of women said they would not date someone who supports Trump. Apparently, women in this age bracket, the age bracket 18 to 34 that I'm also a part of, prefer men who will go see the Barbie movie and presumably are scared of guns. But I think this survey is hogwash and not indicative of most women who exist outside of Portland, Seattle, San Francisco, or Los Angeles. You know, women who shave our legs and have hair colors that occur naturally in nature on humans, not tree frogs. Where are we represented in 2023? If you just look at social media, it would appear, keyword appear, Men want to be women, women want to be lesbians, and conservative blue checkmark influencers on Twitter seemingly want women in burkas cleaning the kitchen and baking pies. We are between a rock and a woke place, but the other side of the rock is prudish and boring and also whiny, so what is the solution? For conservative women, or even just women who identify as women, who care even a little bit about how we look and dress and act and don't hate men, to start standing up to both sides of the spectrum. I'm a conservative woman who is married, but I'm not going to bake pies all day. I'm going to work, and I'm going to make money, and sometimes I'm going to wear short dresses, and I'm going to drink alcohol and do whatever the hell I damn well please. But I'm also going to respect and love my husband and act like a female because I am one. And none of those things are a crime. Normal women, we exist, I promise you. Those are my final thoughts. Be sure to like and subscribe OutKick on YouTube. From Nashville, God bless and take care.